Hello, welcome to this edition of Mike and Mark Talk School Law. Uh, the purpose of our time together today is for uh, me and my friend and colleague, Mark Zittimer. I'm the educator, he's the attorney, uh, to look at a pertinent, important issue in school law and to discuss and evaluate in, in, in a way that is uh, beneficial and positive for fellow educators so they can take the information they gather from this podcast and apply it to their jobs. Uh, let me briefly introduce myself. My name is Mike Nitty. I'm the superintendent of the Ewing Schools in Mercer County, New Jersey. Uh, I've been an educator for over 30 years from teacher to superintendent. And now I'll turn it over to my friend Mark to introduce himself. Michael, how are you? Uh, my name is Mark Sidermer. I'm a partner with uh, Shank Price, Smith & King in Forum Park, New Jersey. Uh, practice in the areas of education law as well as uh, labor and employment law. I've been doing it for about 26 years. Uh, we also represent probably uh, 50 plus school districts throughout the state of New Jersey as well as some independent schools. Thank you, Mark. And I've known Mark for over 20 years. And one thing he always tells me is, don't tell me what I know or don't know. I know the law. And he does. Uh, our first topic, uh, our topic for today is off-campus student conduct and the reach uh, of the school district. And big news in this area, correct, Mark, coming out of the Supreme Court recently? Yeah, we had a big case come out of the uh, U.S. Supreme Court uh, dealing with off-campus student speech that we're going to talk about today. Now, I'll do the uh, background of the case. Um, and it comes out of Pennsylvania. It's BL versus the Mahoynoy Area School District. Um, and in this case, and the student's uh, name has now become public record, Brandy Levy, um, she is a cheerleader, uh, sophomore cheerleader, and she's having a bad time. She's having a, a bad day and, and going through a tough stretch in life here. So it's a Saturday afternoon, no worthy. Uh, Brandy is a cheerleader, and she is passed over in her sophomore year for moving to the varsity cheerleading team. Uh, and to add to the indignity, a freshman uh, is put on the varsity cheerleading team. So Brandy's in a place, not, not a good place. She goes to a store on a Saturday afternoon, gets on her phone on a social media app, and on Snapchat sends out uh, the following. F cheer, F school, and then complains about the freshman making her way to the varsity cheerleading team and, and bypassing her. Um, in Snapchat, the basically it, it, the chat deletes itself, but some of her, you know, is widely seen by other cheerleaders, and some of them screenshot it, and it makes its way to the cheerleading coach, right? And it makes its way to the administration. Some of her teammates and friends saw it and they said that they were upset about it. They found it to be offensive. The school administration gets a hold of it and they decide to discipline her. And her discipline is removal from the cheerleading squad for a year. All right. So this ends up in the courts and kind of then walk us through what happens, Mark, and then the end result for all of us educators. Yeah, and by the way, she used the the actual F word, not just F yes. word. She, she yeah. used actual profanity. 
Um, like and Mark talks school law, we're a family podcast. So yes, right, exactly. we're trying to use the actual F word. <laughs> exactly. So um, she files a lawsuit uh, claiming that this was a violation of her First Amendment rights and that the school district didn't have a right to discipline her uh, for off-campus speech on her own device, on her own time on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, case winds its way all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court, as you know, is very discerning. They have the option of taking cases. They only take cases that have significant um, constitutional importance, public importance, and so forth. There had also been a split in some of the federal courts on how to deal with off-campus speech. Um, the Third Circuit, which includes New Jersey and Pennsylvania, when they heard the case, they basically said that the Tinker Standard, which is the substantial disruption test. In other words, schools have a right to discipline students for off-campus or on-campus speech, I should say, if it substantially disrupts school operations. The Third Circuit held that that substantial disruption test is not going to apply to off-campus speech. We're not gonna to look to see whether the off-campus speech uh, materially and substantially disrupted school operations. And the Third Circuit essentially held in, in the underlying decision that the school district was wrong. They violated her First Amendment rights for basically disciplining her for uh, her expression of opinion. The case goes to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the U.S. Supreme Court agrees with the holding that it was a violation of the student's First Amendment rights by disciplining her for purely off-campus speech. Um, but they, 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 they backed away a little bit from the Third Circuit. And they said, we are going to look at the substantial disruption standard. We are going to evaluate a lot, a lot of different criteria in determining whether a school is within its rights to discipline the student for the off-campus conduct. Uh, did it affect team morale? Did it disrupt school operations? Um, uh, did, it, did it do other things that really had a disruptive effect on the school district environment? And in looking at all those factors, the court held that it did not, and that, again, the school district was wrong, uh, violated her rights by disciplining her for the speech. Um, the court did note that, look, schools should be really wary of disciplining kids for things they do off campus on their own time. But they did say that, look, we are not going to turn our back on bullying, we're not gonna turn our back on threats. And those things are absolutely within the umbrella of a school district to discipline students for. So things like threats, improper use of computers, bullying, that absolutely is gonna to continue to remain within the ambit of the school. But if it's purely speech, school should be really um, cautious in terms of disciplining students for that type of thing, pure speech. I thought from the very beginning, Mark, following this as an educator, uh, as it made its way through the courts, it, it seemed like an overreach on the part of the administration for what just seemed to be a child venting about her life. Is that something that resonated throughout this case? Yeah, I think it did. I think the court said that, look, um, if this was threatening other kids on the team, if kids stopped going to practice because they were so upset about what she did, maybe we would have a different point of view, but some student venting on Snapchat is not something the school district should deal with. The court mentioned that there's parental responsibility. Parents stand, uh, schools stand in loco parentis in, in place of the parents when the kids are at school or at school activities. But on a Saturday afternoon, that's for the parent to teach the student good manners and morality. It's not up to the school district. So I actually, I don't know how you felt as a superintendent, Mike, but I kind of thought this was good for schools because does school administrators really want to be monitoring social media and seeing what students are doing. I think it gave the schools a good out to say, you know something, let the parent deal with it. 
Um, how much did it factor into the ultimate outcome of this case, whether or not her teammates were upset or, or they were hurt about this? It, it damaged the morale of the program. Um, other kids were offended. Or, or was that something in this case where that standard did not rise to, to the school getting involved? I think that the court absolutely made mention of the fact that team morale was not affected. It didn't disrupt the cheer team. I think if the answer to those two questions was that it had done those things, perhaps the outcome would have been different. They definitely said it's something we need to take a look at. We shouldn't just look at the comments in a vacuum. We should look at the effect that the comments are having. And it's got to be more than just a couple people were offended by it. I think it's got to, again, go back to that tinker standard, which they kind of reinstituted in this case. It does have to have some sort of substantial disruptive effect in order for the school to, to take action. Um, now, the feeling being is that from the Supreme Court, I was talking to some of my colleagues who when the lower court decision made, was made, they were like, well, we can't get involved in off-campus student behavior at all. The Supreme Court said that's not the case, correct? Right. And I think that's an important message to get out to my fellow educators. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I can read a little bit from the case. They said that um, there are things that schools should involve themselves with if it's off campus. Uh, severe bullying, harassment, targeting individuals, threats aimed at teachers or other students, failure to follow school rules concerning lessons, the writing of papers, the use of computers or participation in online activities and breaches of other school security devices, including material maintained within the school computers. Those are all things the school would have a right to uh, take action for, even if it was off campus. One thing that I thought was interesting too is that the Supreme Court talked about the important roles that schools have to indeed recognize and protect students' First Amendment rights. Do you have any thoughts about that? Um, they did emphasize the fact that not only don't students lose their constitutional rights at school when they're at school, they have greater constitutional rights when they're off campus, and schools really need to be mindful of that. They're, they're citizens like everybody else, and um, for off-campus conduct, th their rights are generally protected. They said that we're going to look very carefully at schools that discipline students for off-campus speech, and they went so far as to say, particularly if it involves political speech, uh, religious type of speech, those types of speeches are going to get extra protection and extra scrutiny in terms of schools' actions. So bottom line, I think schools need to really think twice before they discipline students for off-campus speech, unless it fits in one of the other criteria that I talked about. And, and which the Supreme Court kind of reinforced. I guess the main thing is to look at substantial and material disruption to school operations, right? That's the number one threshold that you have to look at before any assistant principal or principal decides, hey, I'm gonna act on what this kid did on a Friday night, correct? Exactly right. You know, kid being critical and venting and that sort of thing, it's, it's not a school's issue, generally speaking. It's, it's up to the parents to deal with. But if it comes to something that comes to an assistant principal's attention and it evolves, threats to a fellow student, bullying or harassing or anything that could be perceived to be dangerous to the schools, then that administrator should act, correct? Yes, I think so. Okay. Um, as sort of a sort of closure, what's the, the main message that 
any educator should take from this case and apply to, to what they do each and every day? Yeah, but we have to be mindful that students have uh, First Amendment rights in school and they have greater First Amendment rights out of school. And it's, it's tough for you administrators. I, I get it. The lines have become blurred with social media and everything else. It's not easy to, to find where the line is between off-campus speech and on-campus speech because they often, they often merge. Um, but I think we have to uh, be mindful when we discipline students for speech that's purely critical, um, things that we're not comfortable with necessarily, even things that are profane, if it really doesn't have any impact on the school district environment. It's not something that we should be dealing with as school officials, which, like I said before, to me is a win because I hear from school administrators all the time, I don't want to have to deal with what students are doing on Snapchat and TikTok. It's, it's, I got enough to deal with at school. Let the parents deal with, with bad behavior off campus. So, but in this case, I guess it's important to note, and, and you you made the point earlier, which is a good one, is that we're under no expectation to constantly monitor, you know, kids' behavior. And it's not anything any educator wants to do. But in this case, it was brought to the attention of the administrator. But still, they need to look at that and say, this does not rise up to the threshold of us taking administrative action here. Agreed. I mean, I think uh, administrators probably get contacted all the time by students about things that other students are doing on social media. And I think that uh, school administrators really need to take a hard look. Is it something that we need to get involved with for the reasons we talked about? Or is it something that we shouldn't be involved with? And, you know, school officials also have to be mindful that there's a lot of organizations out there like the ACLU that when they feel that a student's uh, constitutional rights have been violated, they're going to step up and they're going to litigate in, in a very vigorous way. So don't think that just because perhaps the student doesn't have the wherewithal to file a lawsuit that that's going to be the end of it. There are many organizations that are going to uh, fight on behalf of, of students and others whose constitutional rights allegedly have been violated. Let me ask you this question kind of as we wrap up here. If the coach, if this is to get, didn't get to the administrative level, if the coach became aware of these Snapchats, right, and looked at it and brought Brandy in and said, you know, I'm the coach of this program. I saw what you did here. You let me down as the coach and your teammates down. Uh, I'm not going to take you to the next two games, all right, and then after that you'll be reinstated. Would that have changed the outcome or, or if it's handled at a coach level? I think the outcome would have been exactly the same. I don't think it matters where the discipline came from, whether it was the coach, the school principal. I think if we discipline somebody for protected constitutional speech, you're going to have, as a school official, the same, the school district, I should say, you're going to have the same problems. It's not shielded by virtue of the fact that it would come from a coach, in your example, as opposed to the superintendent of schools. You know, there's one other point I just wanted to make, Mike, that I just remembered. Um, in this case, she had also signed a contract, and I think a lot of athletes do sign these contracts saying I'm going to, uh, you know, be a role model 24-7, and the, at least the Third Circuit looked at that a little bit and said, you know something, we're going to really look very hard at contracts where students are giving up their, their First Amendment rights, and so I don't want school, there's another takeaway, is I don't think school officials should solely rely on those contracts and say, oh, look, the student signed a contract, and therefore, I'm going to be able to discipline the student for what might otherwise be uh, protected speech because they do look very carefully at waiver of constitutional rights and statutory rights, and those waivers don't always hold up. 
since you brought up a contract, let me ask you this question. Uh, you have very similar kids on a cheerleading squad, all right? And they're at an off-campus party on a Saturday night, all right? And it's discovered through either the grapevine or, or it comes from the local police department that there was a party and some of the kids were got in trouble for underage drinking, right? In that case, could those kids be disciplined by the school system? You know, I think you probably have a greater right to discipline the students and that sort of thing. That's different to me than students on a Saturday night at a, at a party saying things, speech, yeah. for which they would be disciplined. I don't, you know, if a student was seen to have used drugs or alcohol in violation of the school policy for athletes, I think a school would have greater rights to, to discipline the students for that sort of thing. Um, again, we perhaps look at maybe any rules that were broken, uh, any contracts that were signed to the extent that they were deemed enforceable. Good questions, Mike, really good questions. And um, I do think we have to look really carefully about disciplining students for off-campus conduct because it's not always gonna hold up. Um, it's always interesting to me how that Tinker case still sets the threshold today with regard to substantial behavior of the school, you know, whether on-campus or off-campus conduct, correct? Yep, that substantial disruption test still holds up and it's cited the New Jersey code today in terms of disciplining students for off-campus conduct. It's got to substantially and materially disrupt school operations. It's got to involve a health, safety, welfare issue. Uh, same essential criteria. Is there anything else you'd like to leave my fellow educators with? Uh, regard to this case? Um, you know, I think we have to, again, be real careful about where the line is between on-campus speech and off-campus speech, but remembering at the end of the day that students have, have First Amendment rights just like everybody else. Uh, less rights in school, uh, but they still have rights in school and certainly much greater rights in terms of what they say off-campus. Excellent. Uh, hey, Mark, thank you. Uh, hope everyone's enjoyed this edition of Mike and Mark Talk School Law, and we'll see you next time. Right. Take thank care. You.